Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, check out our website at freechapel.org. First Samuel, you got it? First Samuel chapter 1. Now, verse 1, now there was a certain man of Ramatham, Zotham, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah. Elkanah. Verse 2, he had two wives. I don't recommend that. <laughs> One is enough for me. We ce- By the way, we celebrated our 30th anniversary last week. How about that? The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peniah. Peniah had children, but Hannah had no children. This man went up to the city yearly to worship, sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. The two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were the priests there. Uh, I don't have time to read it all. Verse 5 says that he gave Hannah a double portion of I'll, I'll make that clear. So it was, verse 7, year by year, year after year is what that means, year after year. Just pointing out a few things. Verse 8, he asked his wife, why are you weeping? Am I not better to you than ten sons? And I'll stop reading there, but I want you to focus back on verse 1. Now there was a certain man, and his name was Elkanah. 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 There are four sorts of things in the world that we, that we need to understand. Four categories of repair, I guess you could say. There are things that, that never need repair. The sun, the moon, the stars, God set them in their course. And his, they're maintained by the power of His Word. And they never need repair. Then there are things that, that cannot be repaired. If you've spilled milk, the milk soaks into the carpet, you can never get it back. It's spilled. If you, if you uh, wish that you wouldn't have wasted time yesterday, but you wasted time, you can't repair that. It's done. You, there are things that, that never need to be repaired. There are some things that can't be repaired. There are things that given a chance, they will repair themselves. It's very important. If you injure... I know one time I messed my uh, shoulder blade up here. What do you call that thing? The rotator cuff. But in time, in time, it's amazing. It's healed. And through therapy and some help, uh, things can repair themselves in time. You know, you, you got kids, and it's funny how little boys can't stand little girls. When, I mean, when they're little, they, they'll give you cooties, they'll give you germs, they're gross. I don't want the girls to play. I don't want them over here with us boys. But just give it time. It, it'll repair itself. And that same kid that said they're gross, they're ugly, now all of a sudden somebody wrote a poem and said, Kisses have germs and germs are hated. Kiss me, baby. I'm vaccinated. <laughs> And uh, something happens. I don't know if it's a magical vaccination or what, but they get over it. Girls too. Amen. They get over it. This story that I'm going to share with you has to do with the last category. There are some things that go from bad to worse unless God and God only repairs them. 
we're introduced to a man that probably most of you don't even know his name in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Um, there are some people in the Bible, when you open it up and you start reading it, they, die, they, they jump out of the page at you. There's David, the, you know, the, the famous people, David, the giant slayer, and Moses parting Red Seas, and Elijah calling down fire from heaven. But this man that I'm preaching about tonight was no high-profile person. He's a regular guy. He, if you're going to get him out of the Scriptures, he only, he's only has one, one Scripture in, in the whole Bible. And if you're going to get him, you have to go in and pr pr he's clawing, grabbing, trying to get in the crevices of your Bible. He does not want to be a famous person. He's a regular guy. History cast him in his wife's shadow. He is forever known as Hannah's husband. There's nothing wrong with being known as your wife's husband. We believe in equality. But it's not necessarily good for the male ego. And I'm sure that if you understand who this man is, you only understand if you did know who he was when I said his name, you probably went to Bible college. And the only way that you know who he is is instantly you equate him to Hannah's husband. This is going to shock some of you men here tonight, but... It's possible that your wife could be smarter than you. I, I'm just saying it's possible. I know that's a stretch, but it's possible. It's possible that she could be better educated than you. It's possible that she's more outgoing than you and people like her more than you. It's possible that she's bolder than you. If somebody doesn't give you the right change back, you're too ashamed to go in and ask for your money. But you let your wife get robbed of 10 cents. And she will walk right in the quick pick and say, you owe me 10 cents and I'm going to get that 10 cents because they're bolder sometimes than, than you are. It may be that your wife makes more money than you do. That, that, that her name is more recognized than your name. This was... This was... The case with El Kanai. He lived in the shadow of his wife. He gets one verse in the Bible. But it's so critical. And I'm just going to teach a little bit tonight. But I, I promise I'm, I'm going somewhere. So just lean in. Um, you have to understand the environment. When the Bible says, Now there was a certain man. It means, take note, now is a time word. Now in this particular time, there is a certain man. You'll read right over that, but now means timing matters. If I told you that, um, have you ever seen one of these little ships, wooden ships that people build inside of a bottle? They're pretty amazing. If I told you I built a bottle inside, or built a ship inside this bottle and I had it as a model and showed it to you, y'all know what I'm talking about? You, you would say, that's nice, that's pretty amazing. And it is amazing that people can do that. But if I told you, here's the context, the environment matters. If I told you I did that on a roller coaster while I was riding a roller coaster, how many of you think that would make you be even more amazed? What if I told you I did it blindfolded on a roller coaster? How many of you would really listen and look at me and say, you have an amazing talent? So it matters, environment. If, if you say David fought a guy and killed him, no, that's the environment matters. The climate that 
He didn't just fight a guy. He didn't kill him with an M16. He killed him with a rock and a slingshot. And it was a giant. How many of you know it matters? So when the Bible says, now there was a man named Elkanai, it's important to understand the climate, the context. What was the climate? The context. There was no king in Israel, the Bible said. There was no authority. There was no rule. There was no law. The Bible said of this time, particularly in the nation of Israel, there, every man did what was right in his own eyes. Whatever you felt, whatever you chose, no law, no authority, no, no uh, conviction, no moral clarity. Every man did whatever he wanted to do when he wanted to do it. Steal, cheat, lie, whatever you want to do. Uh, sometimes I go to foreign countries, and I don't know if you've ever been to some of the particularly third world countries. I, 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 every time I get in a, in a taxi cab or in one of those cars, I think of this scripture, every man does what's right in his own eyes, because they don't pay any attention to the stoplights, or if there are any, or, or stop signs. Everybody just drives. They don't drive the cars. They aim them. And, 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 and they're weaving in, and traffic makes no sense, and nobody yields. Everybody does what's right in their own eyes. Now imagine that in a whole nation, in, in every way. They're doing, they're, they are self-possessed. Whatever is right in my own eyes, and then, and now, in a certain time, there comes a man by the name of Elkanai we're introduced to. A woman is never mentioned yet. This, we always make the story about a woman named Hannah, and she has a major role to play, but notice that it's all about a man right now. Into this time is born a man named Elkanai, Anytime you see the, the letters L, E-L, on front of someone's name in the Bible, that is the word for God. L means God. El Shaddai, uh, you know, El, El Elohim. L means God. So the first part, the hint is El Kanai. L is God. Kanai means purchased or possessed. Into this environment where people are self-possessed, comes a man who is El God Kanai possessed. He's totally God possessed. Into this environment he comes, God possessed, which means everything that he has is God possessed. In a society, in a culture that is materialistic, self-possessed, everybody does what is right in their own eyes, into that Climate comes a God-possessed man who says, everything that I have has been purchased by God. I am God-possessed. My family is God-possessed. My children are God-possessed. My flocks are God's possession. My home is God's possession. Everything that I have, I am totally, completely sold out. I am a God-possessed. Possessed, Elkanah. My name is Elkanah, God possessed. In a self possessed society. Now that's the condition outside of the church. Now let me tell you, because the Bible gives a hint, and I promise this is going to make sense to you if you'll listen. 
That's how it was out in the world. Now let's talk about how it was in the church because the Bible mentions in there about Hophni and Phinehas. So it's letting us know what kind of environment was inside the church, not just outside the church, inside the church. It was horrendous outside the church, doing what's right in their own eyes, evil, self-possessed, all about me, whatever I feel, my morals or whatever I want to do, I do it. And into that society comes a God-possessed man. But not only there was that going on, but in the church, there was a man who was the high priest named Eli. He, he had become old. The Bible says two things about him. It says that he was fat. It uses that word, meaning fleshly, meaning overindulged, completely given over to fleshly appetites. And secondly, he had lost his sight, he was blind, he had lost his vision. He had grown cold, he had grown old, he had grown fleshly, he had lost his vision, he had produced two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And the Bible said, listen to this, if you read it in that, in that chapter, and you, I think you've got these verses if they sent them from this morning, it said that Hophni and Phinehas knew not God, nor His ways. Now these are the priests. These are the new generation of priests. Listen to this. They knew not God nor His ways. They didn't know the Word. They didn't talk to God. They didn't pray. Ministry to them was a career, not a calling. It was just something that they had inherited and they were doing. Their heart wasn't in it. They didn't. Can you imagine having... You know, if I see a preacher up preaching to me, if I go to a church, I want the preacher to tell me I expect him to know the God he's preaching about. I expect him to, to, to know the Scriptures enough. I mean, can you imagine? The, the Bible said they knew not God, didn't know anything about the Word. They didn't study the Word. It gets even worse. And the Scripture said that they lay with the women at the door having affairs with the women in the church. They would go to the door of the temple and while the people lined up to go in and offer their sacrifice, these two Pentecostal gigolos, we're going to call them, are walking, checking out the women, figuring out who they're going to try to hit on and sleep with. This is perversion, folks. Can you imagine? I mean, how would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go to that church. I'd take your wife and you've got to worry about the preacher hitting on your wife. You've got to worry about your daughters not being, uh, you know, tried to pulled off into the usher room with, with, with one of the preachers. This is messed up. So you've got, you've got a self-possessed, Every man doing what is right in his own eyes, culture, outside the church. Then you've got inside the church, preachers, priesthood that don't know God, that do not pray, that are eaten up with lust, consumed with immorality, even going to church to check out who they can commit adultery with. And into that world comes, my name is Elkanah, God-possessed. A certain man. There's a certain man in the midst of all the confusion who was God-possessed. God, God we haven't even heard about a woman yet. 
Year after year, he would take his family, meaning year after year, Sunday after Sunday, year after year, or whatever their Sabbath day was, take them to worship. I I, got to wonder, did he not get discouraged? Did he not... I mean, he's, he's working on his job and it's an awful environment out there. Comes to church, immorality. They get up and teach you on the... What would they have taught about? They probably were preaching, I'm going to talk today about Moses in the belly of the whale. And I'm going to tell you how Elijah parted the Red Sea. Some of you aren't laughing and I'm concerned because you don't even know the Bible. Can you imagine? But this guy was so God-possessed that the Bible said he would make his family go to the house of the Lord. Year after year after year, we're not going for those preachers. We're not going for the music. We're not going for any other reason. I'm God-possessed, and He purchased me, and He's worthy of my worship, and He's worthy of my sacrifice, and He's worthy of my honor, and I'm going for Him because He commanded me. I'm God-possessed, and I want Him to know I love Him. And as bad as that is, you got outside mess going on inside the church, horrendous things going on. And then he goes home, and back in those days, for whatever reason, they were allowed to have multiple wives. And that's another reason I can explain it, but I don't have time. But he's got one wife who is fertile, and she has several babies and young kids. The other wife is barren. Her name is Hannah. She cannot have children. God shut her womb. And the Bible said the one that could have children provoked the one who could not have children. There's adversity. I mean serious contention. Here's a, here, in the Hebrew it says... When you got two women like that in the house, drama. I'm making that up. The Hebrew doesn't say drama, but I'm just saying this is some serious drama. Can you imagine? And and God possessed is sitting at his dinner table and he's got one wife over here, one wife over there. She can't have babies. She's got babies. And she in spite turns and says, Bobby Sue, would you pass the ketchup to Sally Mae? And Sally Mae, would you give the ketchup to Jimmy Boy? And Jimmy Boy, would you give it to me? And when it arrives, she just grins across the table. And there Hannah is. And she, she turns to her husband. Did you see? See her roll her eyes at me. Are you just going to sit there and pour God, God possess? He's just trying to eat his potatoes and green beans. He just wants to have one meal in peace. This is going on. This is in your Bible. He's God possessed. But he's got trouble everywhere. He lived In a time that was horrible, the ministry was corrupt, the church was messed up, immorality, sexual immorality was heavy, a spirit of perversion was prominent even in the church. Outside, inside, and now in his home, there's contention. But 
All God needs in the midst of all of this mess is for one man to get God possessed. And when this happens, I want you to see it. The Bible said that that there came a day when it was time to offer sacrifice. And he makes his family go. He says, come on, we're going to the house of the Lord. Hannah did not want to go. I'm sure all the kids said, we don't want to go either. Those preachers are a bunch of weirdos over there. I don't like how he looks at me. I don't like, and I, I'm sure. But he said, we're God-possessed. And we're going. And he takes them to that house. And let me tell you what happens. You can read about this in the first chapter. See, when you brought a sacrifice under the old covenant, let's say it was a lamb for your family, the priest would take it, he would dress it, he would clean off the parts the way God said to do it. He would put it in boiling water. It had to be cooked a certain way, boiled in water. All of the fat would go off because the Bible said the fat belongs to the Lord. I always think that's a funny, funny verse. The fat, just pinch an inch and say, this belongs to you, Lord. (laughs) The fat belongs to the Lord. Isn't that a funny verse? (laughs) God likes fat. I don't know why. I don't know. He said, that's my part. And there was a certain portion of it that was to be taken of the, of the meaty sacrifice and placed on the altar as an offering burned up to God. But these guys were so messed up, Hophni and Phinehas, that they take the portion that should have gone to God, left God the leftovers. They go out there, they're having a barbecue. Just, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating. But after the priest ate what they were allowed to eat, if... If there was any left over, they would give to the family. And there was always left over. So the family at the temple would get to eat a meal. And the Bible picks up the story in the first chapter when it says that Elkanah, God-possessed, had his family at church, had offered the sacrifice, was given the meal from the priest that was left over, and he begins to dish out some food for his children, dish out some food for wife that has the children. And when he gets to Hannah, the Bible said he gave her a double portion. And she starts weeping. And he says to her, Why are you weeping? I know you can't have children. I've given you everything. I give you double. When it says that word double portion, if you look it up in the Hebrew, it means nostril, which literally means I've given you everything under my nose. Everything that I possess, I have done everything I can do to repair what's wrong with you. I'm God-possessed. I'm trying to help you. Am I not better to you than ten sons? Listen, listen to his statement. I'm, I, I am trying. I know you can't have children. But honey, I'm, tr- I'm doing everything I know to do to repair you. But there are some things that only God can repair. And she, re- she, she, she looks at that double portion. He's given her everything under his nose. He's tried the car. He's tried the house. He's tried everything that he can do to make her whole. And he can't give her a child. She can't have a child. She is weeping. She excuses herself from the table. She sneaks into the temple. Your Bible said she found a pillar in the temple. 
at a certain spot, she falls down on her knees and she begins to cry out with such urgency, such, such soul-searching cries that the priest hears her, the old man, and he thinks that she is drunk because she is in the floor mourning and, and moaning and groaning and crying out from her soul, give me a child. And the priest accused her of being drunk. And she said, I'm not drunk. Something's happening to me in this spot. I, 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 I've never experienced God. My husband was God possessed, but now it's going to become a story about a woman, but not until the man is God possessed. And in this spot, something's happening. She gets so God-possessed. Up to that point, she had been fear-possessed. Depression-possessed. Low self-esteem-possessed. Victimization-possessed. Uh, I, 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 I I'm not happy-possessed. But now in the temple by a pillow, weeping and crying, something happens and she gets God-possessed. Now you don't just have Elkanah, a man whose name is God-possessed, but now you've got a woman named Hannah who is totally God-possessed. And that old prophet had one more spark of the anointing come up in him, even in his backslidden state. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, one year from now, you'll come back and you'll have a baby because God's heard your cry. She gets up. Watch this. She goes home. And the Bible said that the Lord came upon Elkanah, God-possessed, and Hannah, wife-possessed, and gave them a child. A miracle child. There's some things only God can repair. And they come back to the temple. I love it. It's a tender scene. The last, I think it's the second to the last verse, maybe third to the last verse. The Bible said that she brings the lad now, several years later, back to the temple. And she said, Lord, if you give me a child, I'll lend him to you all of the days of his life. I, he, he, will, he will be yours if you will give him to me. I'll let, you, I'll let him be served in ministry. And the Bible said that she took him in the temple and she showed him the place. You see that spot right there? I'm going to paraphrase. But you should, you should read it yourself because it keeps saying there. And they worship there. The Bible said when they were there together as a family, they walked in and she showed him the spot and said, we will worship here. Because he got God possessed first. But right here in this temple, I got God possessed he tried to fix me, but he gave me everything under the sun, but it wasn't enough. He gave me the ring. He gave me the dress. He gave me the car. It wasn't enough. But when I got in God's presence right here in this spot, I got God possessed. And now, son, I'm putting you here, little Samuel. And God possessed that boy. He grew up to be the most powerful prophet in the Old Testament. He was the one who poured oil on, 
on David's head and anointed him king of Israel. And the Bible said, and God under his administration, he moved out all of those corrupt priests. God killed them with fire, by the way. And he wiped them out and said, I've got a new ministry and a new priest. His name is Samuel. And your Bible said that when he spoke, he was so anointed, Samuel, so God-possessed. I love this verse. That when he spoke, not one of his words fell to the ground. And your Bible said not even the dogs would wag their tail or bark when he walked by. I want that anointing. I want to be so anointed one day in my life that I can walk by your pit bull. And that pit bull will just go, go over behind his dog house and say, that's an anointed, God-possessed man of God. And I won't even wag my tail. I love that. Oh, come on. I love that. Watch this. So all God needs is one person in a family to get God possessed. And begin to honor God and begin to go to the temple and worship God. Even when your family's jacked up. Even when everything out there's messed up. Even when stuff in here, I don't like that music. I don't like this or that. Just keep coming. If you're God-possessed, you don't own yourself. He purchased you. He possessed you. Get yourself to the house of God. Get your family to the house of God. There are some things that go from bad to worse unless God repairs them. And your marriage, your family, your home can only be repaired by God. Nothing under your nose can fix it. Nothing. Wow. Wow. So if you get one in the family that's God-possessed, either the wife or the husband, then it spreads to the wife. Then, it gets, then we get God-possessed children. Then God says, uh-oh, I'm coming back to Shiloh. Did you read that word? I love that. It's in there. God, God said, now I will send my spirit back to Shiloh. That's a beautiful name, isn't it? Everybody say Shiloh. You know what it means? Messiah and peaceful. It has two meanings. Peaceful Messiah. I love that word, Shiloh. So what God is saying is if I can find one man who will be totally, completely sold out to me and be God-possessed, I will spread to the wife, I will spread to the children, and then I will possess my church. I'll come to Shiloh, my church. And, you, and we, can have, we can have a God-possessed church because our families are possessed. Our children are possessed. Our, I, I'm tired of hearing about demon possession. I want some God possession. I would dare say that every problem in this room could be fixed if we would get as desperate as Hannah got. I can take you to the spot, eastern North Carolina, old tabernacle out in the middle of the woods that my dad used to be over. He, he was a bishop of about 300 churches in North Carolina and uh, in his senior years. And I was just a teenage kid. And I went on a fast. I didn't even know that much about it, but I fasted for three days. Because I was in college and 
thought I was pursuing what I was supposed to do. I loved Jesus. But I, 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 I loved music and was on a scholarship playing the saxophone and loved to play and loved music and was taking music theory and all that stuff every day. But I got restless during the summer, the second year. And I went on that three-day fast, and at the end of that three, I could take you, if this was the stage in that room, I could take you, there was, a, there was an upright piano, and right behind that piano, at, at around midnight, I got down on my knees in a dark room, the lights were not working, and it was just dark, but there was enough light coming through there, and I'd been praying, and I got down in that, on that spot right there behind that piano. And I cried out to God, and I could take you to it today. It was in that spot that I got God possessed. My dreams died. My desire for whatever I wanted to do with my life died. And in that spot, at that moment, I became God-possessed. I went back, and I started preaching. I met Cherise. She got God-possessed. We got five youngins. And they're getting God possessed. We've got two grandchildren. And they shall be God possessed. And our church shall have Shiloh. We shall be God possessed. Throw up your hands and say God possess me again. Maybe you need a new spot. Maybe you need a new point of reference. How long has it been since you were God possessed? How long has it been? How long has it been? Stand up on your feet. Throw your hands up in worship. Take a moment. Throw your hands up and just worship Jesus for a moment. Say, Lord, possess me. Does any man in this room want your name to be God-possessed? Does any women in this room, wives, single moms, want your name to be spiritually Elkanah, God-possessed? Any young people, any students, any college students, all God needs is one. It doesn't matter how bad it is out there, in here, in the home. It's, if God can get us God-possessed, we can overcome. I feel tonight what I'm preaching is a word in season for many people. There are some things that only God can repair. And it comes in those special places and moments. I want to read it because it's, it's pretty powerful. Can you throw up that last part of 1 Samuel chapter, uh, chapter 1? I've, I'll just pull it right here. Because it keeps coming to me. Listen to this verse and verse 26. As your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood right here praying to the Lord. And this is the child I prayed for. God granted me my petition. Verse 28 said, Therefore have I lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord. Catch it there. Where? Where she got God possessed. 
But she didn't get God possessed till he got God. It was a story. He's in the shadow, but really, if he hadn't got God possessed first, she would have never been in the temple that day to get God possessed. Wow. You stay full of God. You let God worry about your husband, your wife, or whoever, your children aren't living for God. You stay in the house of God. You stay God-possessed, and you watch what will happen. I want everybody in this room who would say, I would like to be a candidate to be God-possessed. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed. 